0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Celtics Lab podcast. I am your temporary guest host for today, Alex Goldberg. Cam is off working on his jump shot, uh, and it's going to be hours and hours and hours of work. So uh, we'll see you later, Cam. With me, as always, is Dr. Justin Quinn. Justin, how are you doing today, sir? Not too shabby. Cool. Excellent. And uh, with us today for a special draft preview edition of Celtics Lab is Brian Kolbrowski of For the Win. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Thanks for being here. I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me. All right. So we're going to just jump right into it. We're going to do a short recap of recent events, and then we are going to take a short break and then come right back into our draft preview where we're going to talk about some point guards, some wings, some bigs, and other areas that the Celtics might be looking at in the draft. So uh, since last we spoke, obviously expectations for the Boston Celtics, uh, Brian, since last we spoke, uh, you, uh, you, us, all of us on the podcast, that is, um, expectations for the Celtics have changed pretty drastically. They made a trip to the finals off of a resurgent playoff run uh, in which they vanquished some playoff ghosts from beforehand, um, and they are heading into this draft no longer with any first round picks um, and a pick only here at the kind of late second round. So how do you think that the trip to the finals and Boston's general run throughout the second half of the season changes their draft strategy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. And I think that because, you know, for the most part, um, we have a relatively new front office drafting. uh, It's kind of important to look at uh, decisions they made you know, during the season even more so than usual uh, because it's such a small sample size of decisions we have to pull from. Uh, I think for me the first thing that I think of uh, when it comes to the Celtics right now and what this might mean for their draft is that they don't really want any weak links on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, I think that that's something that they made pretty clear in terms of how the rotation worked. Uh, I think for the most part only Peyton Pritchard uh, wasn't like a plus defender. And even Peyton, you know, put in a ton of effort on the defensive end on the floor. I, I went to Oregon and, you know, you know, Peyton was reaching thresholds for, for steals when he was at Oregon. So it's not like he was a total non-factor on that end of the floor either. Uh, just with his size, it was a little hard for him to do that. Uh, unless you were as good as Peyton Pritchard was on offense in college, I think it's gonna be unlikely the Celtics select you. Uh, I think because we have a second round uh pick and only a late one at that um that's kind of the only thing I can really think of is I want a guy who uh is probably not going to get played off the floor defensively uh and at least has some potential on the defensive end on the floor uh to crack a rotation like that because otherwise I don't think there's going to be a path for you to get minutes in Boston.
0: JQ anything to add to that?
2: Not really uh I'm a little skeptical they're even going to use the pick but you know because they might be going to do this so Fair points. Yeah, it's
0: interesting because on the one hand, the Celtics, I think you're right, Brian, don't want to draft anybody who could see the floor for them. That would be a defensive weak link that teams could go after. On the other hand, Brad Stevens talked uh, earlier today in an interview on uh, 98.5, I believe, in which he mentioned that an area that the Celtics were looking to add to this offseason, and I don't think he really specified as to whether it would be through the draft or through free agency, uh, is playmaking and really looking to add to the offensive end to the floor more so. So I do think there's a possibility that they could take a big swing on a player who's more offensively well-versed than defensively, but it does, you know, it given the type of player that Brad Stevens has acquired over the first year of his tenure as Celtics executive, you would have to think that they have to have at least a certain level of defensive ability to make it in Boston. Um, Speaking of whether they're going to use that pick or not, so it's possible, and Justin, can you just remind, they have the number 53 pick, is that correct? So it's possible that they will stick at the number 53 pick, but it's also possible that the Celtics could move out of this draft or that they could move further up in the draft. Brian, I'm going to swing it to you. Is there any chance that you think they could buy or trade their way into the early second round or maybe even the late first?
1: Yeah, I'd say there's a chance. I mean, I don't think that it is going to be a chance that I would bet on. Um, but because it's such a new front office in terms of, you know, Brad's philosophy uh, up there, uh, because, you know, obviously we haven't seen as many drafts from him yet uh, at all. You know, it's not like he has a different front office experience to pull from either. It's not like it's uh, someone coming from one front office to another. So We can look at his experience there. Because we, you know, don't know what his interests are, maybe he is someone who believes in buying picks. Maybe he is uh, someone who who believes in trading up. Um, it, it's certainly possible, um, and so I think that we'll have more idea about this next year than we do right now uh, based on what he does this year. Um, but you know, frankly, there are going to be a lot of teams that have several picks in this draft uh, that might view everything is a little bit redundant because they're not going to want to roster as many guys as they have picks for. So, you know, the Spurs are probably going to look to sell a pick. Uh, The the Thunder, you know, I think would probably do the same. Um, You know, I think that the Rockets Pelicans, you know, could as well. Um, You know, there's a few teams, Minnesota has three second round picks right now. Uh, I don't imagine they're going to use all three of them. Um, You know, Memphis has a surplus of picks. So uh, I think that there's, you know, several picks uh, that I could see, you know, pretty easily, Uh, being moved off of I could see the uh, Warriors at the end of the first you know pick 28 uh, moving out of that pick Um, you know I I definitely think that uh, the Spurs at 25 could move off of that pick the Sixers at 23 could move off that pick Um, and I think that uh, for me like it could be good value if there's someone that the Celtics have fallen in love with uh, during the pre-draft process Um, and I don't necessarily uh, think I know have any idea of who that could be yet Um, but I do think that you know, we could start to connect some dots, you know, pretty soon, um, you know, based off of what we know, but kind of guys that we've seen from Boston uh, in the past and also from, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, who just kind of fits in those archetypes in this class.
0: What would you say is the going rate if you're, for example, trying to trade up into the early first round as opposed to the, or sorry, in the, into the early second round as opposed to the late second? Like what what would the Celtics probably need to offload to make that work?
1: Oh, I mean, every team's going to look at it differently. But, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it's just a similar pick in the future. Uh, Sometimes there's a player on Boston's roster that maybe they don't see as part of their rotation, but another team does see as part of their rotation. Um, You know, I think that uh, sometimes it literally could just be cash uh, because, you know, that is a real thing. So uh, I think, you know, it's it's such a a low-key trade um, in terms of what actually would be going in and out here. Uh, that it is kind of hard for me to predict with one with cert- with money certainty at all. Um, you know what that what that would look like because it's just such a small small potatoes deal.
0: Um, and is there any reason that the Celtics would not want to make any moves? Would rather just stick at number fifty three and take whoever they like there?
1: Totally. I mean, they've got a good uh, a good thing going right now. Um, you know, if they just won the Eastern Conference. Um, they have a rotation that they feel pretty confident in. I think. Um, and I think that, uh, for the most part, you know, there's some drafting stashes that are going to come into the rotation next year, potentially, or at least to the roster and be rostered next year. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, some of the guys that could potentially come over who were drafted and stashed, um, you know, might be getting those minutes instead. So that'll be their version of a rookie. Um, and, and similarly, you know, they just have, uh, young guys who are, who are still developing. Um, you know, I think that, you know, getting their minutes to the younger guys on the floor is a going to be as important um as anything and i think that you know to me like sometimes that's even more important than using a draft pick so they they clearly have a rotation that they feel comfortable with uh they certainly got more comfortable with that rotation uh you know at the trade deadline by consolidating their roster uh into Derek white uh and for me you know i noticed that um by trimming the fat a little bit there in some ways uh they were able to really improve their winning ways and uh that's obviously when their season turned around so uh, I think that, you know, they like what they have in a lot of ways. and uh, I think that with, with the success that they had, it's easy to see why.
0: JQ, anything that we missed there in terms of what the Celtics approach to this draft should be?
2: It sounds like you guys have really fleshed out what I was hearing from Brad this morning in the presser you were referencing. He actually, he didn't mention Smith by name, but, he hasn't really gotten any playing time and it'll only be the Celtics own fault if they don't give him some this, this coming season. I've heard some suggestions that people might end up waiving him for cost savings, but I really don't think that they're going to do that when they have such bigger potential fish to fry at the moment. Um, I'm really curious to see what direction they go in because the 53rd pick we'll, we'll, discuss some of the people in it, but, it's pretty hard to dependably find someone who actually could make any kind of an impact this late. There's a couple, I think, that might uh, be able to actually get on the floor, at least during the regular season, uh, playoffs is a whole other animal. But we can talk about that in a moment.
0: Indeed, we can. And that's exactly what we are going to talk about. Who are some of the prospects that the Celtics might be looking at heading into this draft? But before we do that, We are going to take a quick moment to check in with our sponsors at betonline.ag. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Stanley Cup finals, Major League Baseball scores, all the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50, that is, again, CLNS50, to get the bonus and get into the action, betonline.ag. All right, so I'm going to swing it now to you, Justin Quinn, to take over the lab section of the podcast. What should the Celtics do with the number 53 pick? Who should they be targeting? What are the team needs that the Celtics should be keeping an eye on going forward into this draft? JQ, the floor is yours.
2: All right. So my uh, first question is, uh, Brian, if you were were making the decision, what would you plan on doing with the pick? Is there anyone you would be particularly attached to? Is there anything that you would be looking to do that has something outside of the draft to do with it? Like what would your approach be personally?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, this feels like the kind of conversation uh, that I'd be looking at for, um, for undrafted free agents as well. Uh, I think that that's something that we maybe haven't talked about as much during this uh, podcast yet uh, that the Celtics fan should probably uh, keep a close and watchful eye on um, is who, who might go undrafted. That would be where it's given a shot to, uh, Austin Reeves, you know, found his way into the rotation uh, for the Lakers immediately as an undrafted free agent last year. Uh, and, you know, from what I know of Austin's agency, they kind of steered it that way because they knew that they could go undrafted, uh, potentially get some playing time uh, for the Lakers uh, and, and choose their destiny that way rather than, you know, have it be in the hands of, you know, hey, Washington has the 54 pick and, and they want it. So the player has to sacrifice a little bit in that context. Uh, but I think that they potentially could be willing to do that for a team like Boston uh, if it means they get to be a part of a winning organization and a winning culture uh, with established leaders like Tatum and Brown and you know, even Al Horford and Grant Williams and Marcus Smart. I mean, there's so many guys that I could see a guy wanting to play alongside uh, that it might be a good idea uh, to potentially say, hey, I could go at 50. I'm not going to say a number uh, because it might be offensive to whatever team has it, uh, but let's say I go you know, 49 to 52, somewhere in that range. Uh, and I can hear my name called or I can go undrafted, get the same contract, which would be a two-way probably, uh, and potentially play for a winning organization um, and, you know, maybe a city that I prefer, uh, maybe whatever number of reasons. So uh, that's why I think that, you know, the Celtics should be looking at guys in that range uh, beyond just, you know, guys who they might call draft night, because undrafted free agency is as much of the thing as the actual draft itself. So uh, I think, you know, one name, you know, you and I both talked offline about uh, wanted to chat about. Uh, Is Ron Harper Jr. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that he he's somebody who I really like as a potential fit. Um, You know, I recently had a chance to to interview him and I got to link up with him in New York, got to watch him work out. Uh, And I was a big fan of the conversation, big fan of his workout, uh, big fan of his mentality. Um, You know, I think that he he really uh, seemed to be talking a lot about the dog mentality that he's going to bring. He mentioned it multiple times during our interview. Uh, I think that he's got a lot of that. Uh, kind of pride that you see, you know, in guys like Marcus Smart. Uh, I think that he would do well in a culture uh, like Boston's. He's got that huge competitive edge. And, you know, the reason why I want to also emphasize him is that, you know, the Celtics actually had him in for a workout. We know that, uh, you know, confirmed. Um, That's a big thing right now is, you know, we only have so many tea leaves to to turn over and look at. Uh, And so if we're looking at that and we see uh, Harper's name there, he is kind of the highest ranked guy that they've confirmed had in. Um, you know, also in that similar range would be Julian Champagny, uh, another guy who played basketball, you know, out here uh, on the East Coast last year, um, you know, at St. John's uh, near me and uh, Jared Roden at Seton Hall. So, you know, they're looking for those East Coast college basketball players uh, for sure. Um, you know, two New Jersey guys there and uh, Champagny is actually from Brooklyn and uh, even Colin Gillespie who came in, uh, you know, was a Villanova guy. So uh, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, at least some some sort of trend we're seeing here. but. You know, those are guys who I think, uh, you know, are all noteworthy, and I'll kind of work a little bit backwards there. You know, Colin Gillespie does have some Peyton Pritchard to him. Um, I think that uh, almost so much so that it might be a little redundant to bring him in. Um, I don't think you'll necessarily have to use a draft pick if you want Colin Gillespie, uh, but if you bring him in for summer league or offer him a two-way even, um, you know, I think that that's a totally reasonable pick because he is a really good and gifted offensive player. Um, and I think that, you know, again, like I said, there are some real similarities to him and uh, Pritchard come out of college. Although I think I was maybe a little bit higher on Pritchard. Um, and I think that Pritchard was obviously, you know, someone you'd have to use a first round draft pick on, whereas, you know, Colin would probably be on draft free agent. So the value is a little different uh, in that regard. Um, you know, Julian Champenny is a guy who's got, uh, you know, good length and, was a good shooter. I think that his shooting numbers fell off a little bit last year, but I think that he is a much better shooter than his numbers showed. Um, didn't test particularly well uh, during the combine this year or last year. Um, and I think that that's probably the reason why he might go undrafted, but as a spot up guy, who can space the floor with good length. Uh, that's somebody who I also think would be uh, worth bringing in. And, um, you know, Harper for me is someone who uh, I would be more than willing to use uh, that 53 pick in the draft on. So, I just said a lot of things. I know you kind of oh, tried totally. to a few times. So anything, <laughs> anything we can pull back on. Those are just some broad points. If we can go into specifics,
2: yeah. And no, I'm a big fan of Harper as well. He he plays with a sort of determination strength that uh, definitely caught my eye when I was watching his highlight videos. Um, I did uh, see, I think, a mock draft where he was mocked to the Celtics as well, uh, coming from Rookie Wire. Was that you? Okay, yeah, cool. Very cool. Um so yeah, he's definitely on my board. I also uh I was confused, the Champagne brothers. It's Julian in this year's draft. Okay. Yeah,
1: cool. Julian and Justin was last year on draft with free agency uh to Toronto. Actually, I was with him um, you know, on, on draft night last year. He had the same representation as Josh Primo. Um so it was interesting to see how that process works. But yeah, I saw that he had signed with uh, Toronto while he was there, and you know, they actually they share an agent uh with uh, Pascal Siakam. So He was Uh, making an impact uh,
2: for the Raptors last season. Yeah, he got some real minutes. He got
1: some real minutes. I mean, they're both dogs. Uh, You know, Justin Champagne, I think, got a a technical during the combine game last year. Uh, Julian's a little bit more reserved. Uh, Julian was at the draft party I was at last year as well. Uh, Justin's a little bit more of the outgoing one, whereas Julian's more to himself. Um, and he's also, I mean, I think they, you know, they went to different schools, they have different agents, uh, they're different, they're different dudes in a lot of ways, different playing styles. Uh, but yeah, Julian is a better shooter. Um, and I think that he's someone who, uh, you know, definitely is another guy I would, I would seriously consider at, uh, with the 53 pick and another guy that I would also for sure bring in, uh, be a priority call if he goes undrafted.
2: Well, from what I remember seeing in Netflix, uh, if you happen to get, uh, tactical at the combine you can end up on the Celtics. so uh that seems to be a thing bad bow, cruise joke i am so sorry uh anyway i've got a couple of guys uh, i put together into three general groups uh point guards wings and bigs uh i don't know how much you know about any of them but if you're giving me your opinion on any of them or someone else i didn't mention um for point guards you know ball handling that's something that that Brad said that the Celtics need, I, I, tend to agree. Uh, they don't have too little, but they could always use more, uh, particularly with finishers being such a big part of, of their overall offense to begin with. Um, guys who stood out to me, uh, Ziga samar if i screwed up your name i'm really sorry he is very big six foot six as a point guard combo guard um good defender shoots pretty well very well really 47.1 uh, from three it's in i think the ACB league in Spain so it's not super high level of competition but it's also not a, a complete trash league or anything like that um so the thing for him for, for me with him is he's just very robotic and i think that that would translate to the nba but sometimes it doesn't um, Jordan Hall from St. Joe's, another big uh positional guy, uh, six foot seven. Um, hey,
1: you've got you've got a type with those two guys, Justin. Like, those are your guys, you've got type. yeah. No, I'm just
2: trying to think the, the way that they have been building their team lately. Like, they don't want small point guards anymore. Like, the plucky little guy that Danny Ainge always used to love just does not seem part of the Celtics' future, which I am very excited about. Uh Mateo Spaniolo. I'm probably screwing up his name. He's another big guy, six foot five. They're all very, very tall. They can all shoot the three and most of them can move the rock. Any of those guys pop to you or someone else?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll chat about Ziga Samar first. He's been a late push on mock drafts lately. Uh, he's been appearing as like a second round guy as a probably draft and stash candidate. Um, you know, I think kind of in like the Yamadar like uh, school of thought there uh, where it's like draft and stash with the intention of really do, you know, they really think that it'll come over. Uh, sometimes you draft a guy and it's like, yeah, we're going to use the pick. We're going to have his rights, but it's not anything. I think that if you draft Ziga Samar, you would imagine he'd come over soon. Um, you know, I think with him, uh, you know, what we said, six, seven, uh, you know, if you look at a synergy breakdown, like half of his possessions in the half court uh, are pick and roll. And when you include passes, that goes into like 66%. Uh, so, you know, six foot seven, but man's running the offense. Um, much smaller sample size off the catch, uh, but he did shoot. uh, on catch-and-shoot this year. So uh, the fact that you're willing to uh, give him that many opportunities on the ball, but when you put him off the ball, he's making the most of it, uh, says a lot to me about the kind of player he can be in the NBA. That's exactly what you need uh, from someone, you know, on backcourt on the offensive end of the floor is, you know, can you run the offense when we give it to you? Yes. Great. And then, you know, can you hit your catch-and-shoot jumpers when you're open? Great. And that's kind of what we're looking for. And, um, you know, he has at least had some, uh, you know, possessions, uh, you know, doing other stuff. Um, but I think for the most part, like, you know, that, that's what he's going to be. And I think that that uh, is someone who, who I keep an eye on. Um, I think that uh, I forgot some of the other names that you mentioned, but I'm Jordan pretty Hall sure.
2: And Mateus yeah,
1: Jordan Hall. I mean, for his height, probably the best pastor in the class. I mean, him and him and Paolo, honestly, um, there are, uh, there are a lot of really interesting things about him. I was, uh, way higher on consensus, higher than consensus on Jordan Hall before the season started. Uh, and as it kind of went on and on, his numbers were still good. His productivity was still there. I didn't sour on him. That's not a fair word to describe what happened. Uh, I don't think that you would necessarily have to use a draft pick on him though. Uh, and I think that for the most part, that's just due to like pretty extreme athletic concerns. Uh, about how he would do in the NBA. Uh, I think that Jordan Hall could easily be a star in the G League. Um, you know, he could average not a triple-double, but put up triple-double type numbers. Um, you know, I think that there, there are some elements to his game that, you know, uh, might remind someone of like a Delano Banton last year. Um, you know, he, Jordan Hall is a really, really unique player uh, because he was such a productive passer at, you know, his size. Um, you know, he's a ginormous dude, and he's a great playmaker – um, but I think that with the, with the athletic concerns, um, you, you don't necessarily have to use a pick on him. Uh, and I think that, you know, giving him a two way is totally reasonable. Um, you know, see what he does in the red cloths and, and see how that works out. Um, and I think that, you know, he, he, he clearly is a hard worker. He's clearly uh, a productive player. Uh, I think that, you know, the stats might look a little bit better, um, than the actual stuff might suggest. And I think the fact that he didn't get an invitation to the NBA draft combine, Uh, Is interesting and telling um, because you know maybe says where most executives see his draft range uh, being, which is closer to the undrafted side uh, or late fifties. So you know, which is where the Celtics are drafting. Um, Defensively, I think there are some holes though because of his athleticism. So you know, going to what we talked about earlier, maybe not the pick the Celtics will actually use, but I think as a two-way guy, totally reasonable. Um, And I think that you know, uh, of the guys we've talked about, again, Harper keeps kind of coming back to me. but another guy that I want to mention uh, that's worked out for the Celtics uh, is LSU's Darius Days. Um, he okay. could be a surprise pick in the second round. I do think he has enough of a resume to get drafted, uh, although the range would be like 50 to 60. Is kind of like a, hey, we're going to give you a two-way, and that's what you have to agree to before, you know, you actually get to hear your name called. Otherwise, as an undrafted free agent, uh, you know, he's someone that's super interesting to me. Uh, I think that he's someone who, uh, you know, played within a really good defensive scheme at LSU. Uh, LSU's program last year was uh, super, super talented defensively. They had, you know, arguably the best defensive player in the country, Antari um, Issa. And I think that, uh, you know, his draft stock will tell you exactly uh, as much. Um, but, you know, Darius Days was kind of a front court player uh, at um, uh, for LSU and played a bit of a Grant Williams type role, you know, six foot seven, but playing the four five. And he averaged 11 three pointers per hundred possessions um, and, you know, shot 35% on them last year. Uh, he tested the waters a few years ago. I think it was 2019 or 2020. Um, uh, and I, I interviewed him then and really enjoyed my conversation with him then. Um, but, you know, for the course of four years uh, at LSU, shot 35% from three, but that includes as a junior shooting 40% from three. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that he's kind of someone that's maybe fallen a little bit uh, under the radar, but, you know, one and a half steals a game last year. Um, you know, had a really good steal rate, good defensive rebound rate, um, you know, isn't necessarily going to be someone who I see getting minutes, um, you know, at at a high level necessarily. Uh, but as like an undrafted guy, late second round guy, two way, two way contract. Uh, I think Darius is, you know, someone who did work out, uh, for the Celtics. And we know that, uh, is someone that I would seriously keep an eye on, um, because I do think that there is at least a chance, um, you know, you, you could use a draft pick on someone like him and. Uh, you know, considering I think it's only maybe five or six guys that we know the that's worked out that I could say that about, um, you know, he's probably worth mentioning.
2: Cool. Um, speaking of wings, got a couple that I was looking at. I'm probably going to murder this guy's name. I am intrigued by him, even though he can't seem to hit the ocean with a pebble. Uh, Darian Sebrin of NC State. Uh, He is so long, he is so spidery, and he is so good at cutting to the basket. I'm really excited about him as a possibility. Gabriel Presida plays overseas for Bologna, uh, 6'8", 38.3, good defender, and of course, I had to throw a UConn guy in there being a UConn fan, Tyrese Martin. Um, six foot six, 43% from three, though I understand that there are some doubts about his ability to shoot at the next level because of his very Jalen Brown-like uh, three-point, excuse me, uh, free throw shooting. Any of those guys pop? Any other wings of interest?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Darion and um, I think... Uh, are both two guys that really, really flew up the, the draft boards recently after impressive show during pro day and combine circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that but there's a real chance that neither of them are even available uh, when the Celtics are on the clock. Um, and I think that you know that's uh, that's not necessarily a guarantee for either. Though uh, I think you know Darius um, Sebron uh, is definitely someone who, who I see more, uh, even as a maybe more natural point guard. Um, you know, really? he's somebody who also. Uh, You know, average 39 percent of his uh, possessions were pick and roll ball handler. And, um, you know, when you again, when you look at uh, including passes in the half court, that's you know more than half his possessions. And um, I think that, you know, he's also someone who I really like, uh, you know, in transition as a ball handler, super efficient uh, when he does that. Uh, And when you look at his game, too, I think that um, he's one of the most uh, productive scorers uh, for self-creation at the basket. Um, you know unassisted shots at the rim he just flies off the charts Uh, and I think that that's something worth noting uh, for a guy like that because he clearly has uh, some ability to create his own bucket there Um, you know even if it's just like you said slashing and cut in um, I think arguably the best slasher in this class Uh, the fact that he's not uh, a shooter is is a real problem but you know not fully an unwilling shooter either Um, at least averaged you know two three-point attempts per hundred um, which suggests you know he's not Ben Simmons out there either but Um, You know, nearly a 20% assist rate uh, speaks well to his playmaking. And uh, I think that he's a really impressive player. And I know Gabriel Presida is someone who, um, you know, really, really impressed during his combine circuit, like I said. And uh, I think that he looked really good uh, during his pro day. I think that he looked um, a lot more athletic than people maybe realized. And, um, you know, he's one of the guys that I think are still playing for for, uh, uh, overseas right now. Um, You know, I think he's someone that Kevin Pelham from ESPN recently said, uh, has the highest grade um, in terms of his like, you know, pre-draft expectations. Uh, you know, he's someone who's mostly a spot up guy, uh, mostly going to wait on the perimeter, hit the cat and shoot looks, but I think he's going to knock down those unguarded looks. And, um, you know, I think he's someone who's able to, you know, score well in transition, you know, fly off screens a little bit too. And um, I think that that's, you know, kind of what you want to see from, from an NBA wing.
2: I, I am intrigued by this idea of Seaburn as, as a point guard. I'm going to have to let that marinate because that would be, a very good fit as as a reserve uh, guard for the Celtics who really don't need anybody else taking any shots at present. Uh, As far as bigs go, in my mind, uh, I'm seeing Robert Williams with the team uh, for the foreseeable future, as long as his health, God save us all, uh, holds up. That means another big it would be very good if they could shoot or at least move the ball very well uh so to that end i picked out a trio of guys that's that kind of stuck out to me orlando robinson of fresno state john butler of florida state and dominic barlow uh who i think was also linked to the celtics at a mock i don't know if it was for the win or rookie wire but it was one of us yeah uh Dominic Barlow, there hasn't been a lot to look at other than his stuff uh, with overtime. that does kind of have me intrigued. He's pretty athletic. He can shoot pretty well. Uh, Butler is another seven-footer who can shoot the three, uh, get some rim protection. About Orlando Robinson is the one who really stands out to me the most as a guy who would fit very well with the Celtics.
1: That's... Yeah, Orlando Robinson is one of my biggest draft crushes, honestly. Um, for some reason, no one's really talked about him. Um, and I don't really understand why. Uh, I, I recently had one NBA scout tell me that he might be the second most skilled big in this draft class. I mean, I think, you know, if we look at some of the guys at the top as wins more so than bigs, he might even be the most skilled big in the NBA in this draft class. So uh, I don't necessarily think that he uh, is someone who might get drafted unless there's just like a team shut it down early and gave him the guarantee and said, just don't do anything. Don't talk. Don't do anything at all. Don't don't talk to reporters. Don't have about the reporters. I don't know. Is he's being hit or what, I like Orlando Robinson so much. He does everything. He's a unicorn. Uh, he's a great playmaker for his position. He can shoot. He can rebound. He defends. I mean, he's not, like, he's clearly not all of those things because if he were, he'd be talked about as a lottery pick. Um, you know, maybe there's, like, some athletic concerns with him there uh, that I don't necessarily have uh, as much uh, idea about. Um, but, but Orlando Robinson, when you look at, you know, stat queries of guys who've accomplished certain – thresholds for, you know, defensive rebound, assist, steal, block, free point attempts, goal percentage of the rim, you know, look at all the things that kind of matter and translate to the next level, even free throw rate, getting to the free throw line. He's always up there with guys who play like valuable roles in the NBA. Um, and, and I think that he's, you know, at seven feet tall, someone that uh, you should definitely consider. Um, I also think that if you took someone like John Butler in the first round, I don't think you'd be crazy. Um, I mean, you know, as a freshman uh, at his height, Uh, he's someone who obviously uh, just did like a historically good thing uh, with his shooting. I mean, he shot uh, the lights out of the ball 39% and he's a seven footer, seven foot one, seven foot two. Granted he weighs so little that it's actually like shocking. Um, I I don't really love talking about like the body size of these prospects because I think we get into some weird territory early, especially with the Chet stuff. Um, But John Butler's frame is like, concerning to a point where it's like definitely worth mentioning um however like i don't I, like I, if he shoots 39 percent as a freshman and he's seven foot one seven foot two i mean yeah you have to start talking about him in the conversation with like jaron jackson jr type molds jonathan isaac type molds um you know i mean he's not uh he's not uh, necessarily any of those guys but maybe like chris boucher you know that's like not an unfair comparison for him especially considering he was a productive shot blocker on the time we saw him on the court too. Um, You know, I think that there's, you know, valid concerns uh, about John Butler that uh, no one's going to, you know, fault you on if you, if you, you know, uh, speak on, but, you know, really, really, really high block rate uh, for his uh, minutes he got uh, and a really, really impressive three point rate for for, uh, someone his size. So, um, you know, if you decided like, let's say, you know, I'll just give it the Warriors. Uh, Let's say the Warriors said, "Like, hey, we have the twenty-eighth pick. We like this kid. He can shoot. He's seven foot one, seven foot two. We have a steady rotation, as it were. Why not take him, put him in the G League for a little bit, have him in a few years? If not, it's fine. We already have a good team. Um, I don't think it'd be crazy to do that uh, if you're if you're a team like the Warriors. And I think the Celtics, if they have, um, you know." him available i don't think that he'll necessarily be available but i've seen mox having him go undrafted uh and i think you know the body concerns are, are are probably why but you know let's say he's on the clock at uh at 53 right i would probably sprint to the podium and take him because you just put him in the chili for a little bit you know if he puts on size he puts on size if not sometimes you pick Wait, staff guys don't pick. come over yeah you you, you you have staff guys that never come over anyway um, you know, there are guys who, who never make rosters at all, uh, picked in the same range, too. So, at least you pick someone who's seven foot two and can shoot. Um, and I think, you know, as a freshman, you're picking them instead of someone who's 23, 24. So, his development, you know, what I'm trying to think of some guys, Brooke Lopez didn't start shooting threes until he was 27, 28 years old. Demarcus Cousins was the same thing. This guy's shooting at 18, and you think that he's shooting this ball at 18, maybe by the time he's 22. You know, he, he's someone that's worth talking about. Um, so, you know, that, if you use a pick on him, is, is someone i really consider. Uh, Orlando Robinson uh, and, and, and uh, John Butler are two guys who uh, I feel like I are getting really, really, really underrated. Um, you know, bigs who can shoot are valuable. Uh, and I don't, really, <laughs> I don't really know why um, we're not hearing more about uh, those two guys in particular. Um, and, and Barlow is someone, by the way, that did super well um, you know, during uh, the athletic testing at the combine too. Um, and all the intel on him is really, really great. Uh, you know, I've heard that, you know, he put in the work. He, he really used every resource the Overtime Elite, Overtime lead program gave him. Um, you know, he's someone who uh, I think, uh, you know, was, was really looked at favorably when he's out there. Mostly finished in transition, but, um, you know, ran a little bit of pick and roll as a role man, um, you know, got some putbacks, played a little bit in the post. Um, so I think that, you know, not a, Great jump shooter on uh, the half court. I think you know league average or so for uh, for someone his age. But you know, young kid, still developing. Um, you know, great athleticism, great body type. I think that he's definitely uh, someone I'd consider as well. And you know, considering where he might get drafted, sure, no one's faulting at all for uh, for taking a kid like that. Cool.
2: Thus ends my uh, 10 minutes of video watching per uh, prospect list. Uh, Anyone I didn't mention that, you know, a deeper analysis of this draft might be good for the Celtics.
1: Yeah. Take a look at Vince Williams Jr. out of VCU. Uh, He's someone who I've been kind of pushing recently as someone that people should take a look at uh, who are drafting in that range or looking at undrafted free agents. Um, You know, he's someone who I think, uh, he's not Herb Jones, um, but he played sort of a Herb Jones role uh, at BCU when it comes to his defense, his shooting, and his playmaking. Um, you know, hits his jumpers. He's a good playmaker, which means I think that, you know, there are a lot of guys who took 20 shots a game in college who weren't going to get 20 shots a game in the NBA. He was a low-usage guy at VCU, and he still found a way to make an impact as a playmaker, as a defender, as a spot-up shooter. Uh, I love guys like that. So Vince Williams Jr., uh, Tevin Brown, uh, who was actually teammates with John Morant in college and now shares an agent with John Morant uh, and uh, Desmond Bain. Uh, so kind of leads me to believe that maybe Memphis uh, would take a look at him with the 47 pick. Uh, but he, he's an older player. Um, you know, Seven Brown, I think, is currently uh, twenty, almost 24 years old. Uh, so he might not get drafted. So if he goes undrafted, I'd probably at least give a call to that agency to try to get him, uh, you know, in my training camp and get him a two-way as well uh you know space the floor uh willing to shoot off screens most productive off-screen shooter uh, in college basketball last year um a big fan of him and I think that you know he's uh he's someone who definitely plays hard on defense too um you know I think that just given uh given his uh uh you know his, his, his productivity as a shooter uh it's really worth giving him a conversation and a call and um you know see what you can get uh, out of a guy like that so uh, that those are probably the main guys I would I'd be looking at besides the ones we've talked about. But uh, Vince Williams Jr. is definitely someone that I think is kind of also become a little bit underrated uh, that I'd want to give a call to. And uh, I think Jabari Walker is probably someone that is worth bringing up as well. Uh, Samaki Walker's son out of Colorado, um, he'd be in that range uh, as well I think. And I think that he's uh, someone who I really would want to take a real good long hard look at. Um, you know, as someone who could come into the league and uh, hit his three pointers. I mean, during the tournament in twenty twenty one, I think that he hit like sixty percent of his three point shots for Colorado. That was just during the tournament, so super small sample size. But so he's got the touch, got the touch on his jumper, and he's a big man. Um, so I think if we're talking about guys like John Butler and guys like Orlando Robinson, we should probably talk about Jabari Walker as well. He's in that same kind of class of players.
2: Cool. Well, before I get you out of here uh any general thoughts about the state of the boston celtics where they're going uh chances returning to the finals all that good stuff
1: chances are high man uh celtics are great i was recently doing a a Knicks spaces on twitter the other night and they were asking about kind of the same question at the end and i was just like oh god uh i mean i i I live in yeah i love in (laughs) i I live in new york and i and i i don't i don't have like any uh history of the Knicks, I'm i'm not here um so I didn't really have any opinions on them one way or the other. So just like the honest take on the Knicks was like, yeah, I don't really know. I don't really see much of a path. The Celtics, I feel the opposite. Yeah, they can return to the finals every year for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, I think that they've got some adjustments to make, but so does everyone. The Warriors have adjustments to make, man. Um, you know, and they won four titles in the last eight. So and six like four of their last six healthy options too. So um, you know, I think that uh I think that you know, Celtics are as good of a position if anyone to succeed. Well, I take, you know, my my unbiased perspective and that's someone who grew up a Greba Lakers fan so uh, I, I really uh, I like what the Celtics are doing I like what uh, Justin's doing with Celtics wire too
2: oh thank you <laughs> um, what should we be reading viewers, or listening to or anything else you do? yeah catch it up with all my draft
1: profiles uh, published over a dozen of them I'm finishing the series tomorrow with uh, a couple more that haven't gone out yet that will go out and uh, just really grateful for uh, everyone to uh, you know, have me on the Celtics lab today
2: thanks man we are very glad to have you you're the first person i turned to and i want to know something about
1: i'm glad to hear it man thank you for your time
2: yeah thanks like subscribe all that fun stuff i suck at ending podcasts but we gotta end this one so take care y'all